Welcome to the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I'm Christina Simmons, your host, and thanks for joining me today as I seek to inspire, encourage, and accompany you on the journey towards holiness by sharing food for the head, heart, hands, and feet, so we may grow closer to God, become more like Jesus, and through friendship, discover the life God created us for, lives of purpose, peace, and abundance, rooted in the hope that with God's grace and mercy, we can become the living, breathing, wonder-working saints that the world so desperately needs. Hello, and welcome to episode 111 of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. This time, I have a conversation with Jesse Weiler of the Liturgy Guys podcast. And you might be thinking, gee, Christina, why should I even bother listening to this conversation? Well, I myself learned quite a lot, um, particularly about how it is that I can go and truly, fully, consciously, and actively participate in the Mass, of how it is that we can come each week and we can truly give praise and worship. And it was absolutely fascinating conversation, not just a uh, conversation where uh, Jesse was all teaching and sharing different terms, although there's a little bit of that, but rather it was wonderfully illuminating and also encouraging about how it is that we can be participating in the mass in the way that we are to do. And it's not because there's a bunch of boxes to be checked, but rather it's about us continuing to deepen our understanding and awareness of how we can be fully present as the body of Christ. And uh, Jesse gave some really great uh, suggestions, particularly um, about how it is that we can be doing this. Um, he shared some uh, information, particularly about ways that we can learn more about the Mass, um, and especially uh, how, as parents, as families, we can truly uh, be offering ourselves on the altar. So I had a lot of fun uh, with Jesse as well, but I really hope that you find great inspiration and encouragement from this conversation of where Jesse really expressed well the name of this episode, which is to put yourself on the altar and for you to be able to find all the grace and love that our Lord desires to bestow upon you when you come and spend time with him at the Mass. So enjoy the conversation, and I'll see you on the flip side. Hello, this is Christina Simmons with the Say Yes to Holiness podcast, and thank you so much for joining me today, as I have a really special guest who I think you all are going to enjoy, but maybe not for the reasons you might expect. So, Jesse, I welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Please go ahead and introduce yourself and what it is that you are doing and where you are. My name is Jesse Weiler, and I am the director of the Liturgical Institute in Mundelein, Illinois, which is a part of the University of St. Mary the Lake. Uh, of the Archdiocese of Chicago. 
Mm, awesome. Um, actually, one of our priests from the Diocese of Birmingham, where I'm located, um, Father Justin Ward, he actually went up and he spent time with you all. And, uh, and we're blessed to have him as our diocesan, you know, uh, head of our uh, liturgy and worship office. So uh, the work that you guys are doing, though, isn't just for um, priests and uh, or and or religious and uh, it's important for us to realize that but um, before we get into that would you would you mind sharing a little bit about your own faith journey and how it is that you came to be doing what you're doing today uh, very convoluted way of, of getting where I where I am today and uh, you know I started born and raised Catholic from the western suburbs of Chicago and uh, went to Catholic school my whole life grade school, high school, college. In college, I studied video production and film with a minor in theater. So I really kind of liked the arts and, um, and film and things like that. I, at one point, was going to work for, you know, news stations, but I interned at ABC News in Milwaukee, and I, I absolutely hated it. And I didn't like, you know, the way that uh, everything was driven by ad money and revenue and mm -hmm. things like that. And so that was kind of eye-opening for me and so then I moved back towards you know video production and then uh, after college I did a year of service uh, with a program called Amate House here in Chicago where I lived in community served in the community and I taught video production and sports broadcasting to an inner city charter school in Chicago mm -hmm. which was amazing very fun uh, I then before kind of uh, entering the real world did a few years of mission work uh, I did some uh, independent, you know, private things. I, I walked across the country with a friend of mine and we made a documentary and we gave talks all across the way to uh, raise the awareness of the importance of prayer in our daily life. So we walked from Los Angeles to New Jersey, uh, took five months. Uh, we walked 3,562 miles, went through nine pairs of shoes. Really, mm -hmm. really fun and exciting. I spent a few years working for a Catholic adventure camp in Colorado called Camp Voitiwa, which is founded by two former focused missionaries. Mm -hmm. And out there we had uh, middle schoolers and high schoolers uh, come out, do rock climbing, whitewater rafting, and then use that as a metaphor for our faith life and our faith journey, mm -hmm. which was really amazing and fun. Uh, when I decided to quote unquote, enter the real world of employment, my first job was at a parish here in the area near Mundelein. And uh, I like to joke that I was the bulletin lady, but I was the communication coordinator. So I edited bulletin, podcast homilies, managed websites, you know, all that type of stuff. Uh, but it was kind of a big job because the it was a fairly wealthy parish and they had a 12 page bulletin that I had to edit every week. So there was an, enough for me to do there. Uh, and then I was there about four or five years before I made it to the Liturgical Institute, which I took the job here because I wanted to expand my skill set beyond just the neighborhood or, or city that my parish was part of, the geographical area. And the Liturgical Institute, um, you know, I paid more money and I had to get on the way. <laughs> and I said, oh, I need that. But it also gave me access to an audience that was worldwide rather than hyper-local. And so I got to really hone my marketing skills here. And so I started here about six and a half, seven years ago as the assistant director of marketing and had a lot of really great fun learning about the liturgy and engaging with the content that we were creating here. Really my marketing strategy was just content creations. I knew that if we could just explain or create content, we could draw people in to learn about our brand. And then lo and behold, 
about a year and a half, two years ago, we, we had been a, a quite a stretch a few years without a, an actual formal director of the Institute. There had been a long search and a, a long interim period. And they asked me to do it. And I said, no, <laughs> because I'm, I'm not a, a academic liturgiologist, you know? And I, I do the marketing stuff. And they said, well, we really like all the stuff that you've done and the video series, podcasts, and all the digital content. We want that to continue and we'll have the academic part, you know, we'll have a director of uh, intellectual formation. So, you know, the degree part of what we do can still exist. And so after a lot of convincing, I said, yes. And uh, so I've been doing the director job for a year and a half, two years, absolutely love it. And really quintessentially kind of in my faith journey, um, I had two major reversions. Uh, one of them at that Camp Voitiwa with the counselors and mm -hmm. things like that. And that's after my third summer there, that's where I was just like absolutely a thousand percent yes to Jesus, you know? And again, lived Catholic life, uh, dated, ended up getting married, had a kid, and then started working at the Liturgical Institute. And the stuff that I've learned here uh, overshadows anything really that I've learned in my mm -hmm. faith journey. And to me, that's where the drive and the passion comes from, because I made it to 30 years old without knowing my role in the mass. And I don't want that to happen to anybody else. And so mm -hmm. I have this really perfect storm of passionate about my faith. Uh, but also, I understand what it's like to learn this for the first time, and how information can be approachable, rather than just a the document says this, so we have to do that because mm -hmm. that's not really what it's about at, at its core. But right. if we get the fundamentals right, then we can layer those things on top and then we can start to really understand truly what it means to live a sacramental life. So in closing, mm. working <laughs> at the Liturgical Institute has fundamentally changed the way that I look at everything in this world. We are in a unreconciled world. It is reconciled through Christ, but we are in a broken world. But everything, everything, time, creation, ourselves, our neighbors can be reconciled principally through Jesus Christ. So that's the lens by which I look at the world now. That's the hermeneutic that I use. And it's life changing. And so I want to share that with as many people as possible. Yeah, what 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 you described, you know, on your own journey and particularly of how, you know, the deeper understanding and awareness and and then of course your participation in the liturgy, how that has totally transformed your life um and your desire to share that uh with others is, is absolutely beautiful. Um I had uh, kind of a similar experience in a different way of, you know, not, you know, directly with the liturgy but in coming to an understanding of, I call them the four steps to holiness, of how it is that um, we are asked uh, to become, you know, living, breathing, wonder-working saints. And, you know, those four steps are daily prayer and meditation. The second is, you know, the, the sacraments, the mass, you know, participation in the mass and living that life of grace in its fullness, striving to grow daily in virtue, and then abandoning ourselves to his will. And it's in the midst of that, that there's all these different layers of depth and you, you just continue to go ever and ever deeper. Um, and, but it's the knowing the basics of what we then are able to unfold for the rest of our lives that I'm passionate to tell people about because that becomes the key. 
for you to be able to, to do that journey. And, you know, as I said, the mass is so huge. And, you know, I work with all ages and particularly, you know, with in, in my parish, but then also I, you know, I, I will mentor because I'm a spiritual mentor. I, you know, will work with women and they're different ages and they're coming to an understanding of the mass isn't something you go to be at, <laughs> it, you know, and when they begin to unwrap that mystery and, and unveil it for themselves is, is awesome. Um, so, you know, the fact that you're passionate about it. So how do you get connected then with your, I, I call them kind of your partners in crime, mm -hmm. um, you know, so uh, Chris Carstens and, and Dr. Uh, Dennis McNamara. Well, they, when I started here, they worked here, actually, you know, mm -hmm. they were both faculty members at the Liturgical Institute. And Dennis only recently started working at Benedictine College. And in fact, despite, you know, not having him here anymore, and it was a big loss for the Liturgical Institute, in a real way, it hasn't really changed anything. I mean, he still teaches for us remotely. Right. Uh, you know, we bring him out here for conferences. We still do the podcast. So essentially, we get the best of both worlds. We get to have that outreach of having somebody from the Liturgical Institute teaching at a college, and that certainly will help with recruiting things. But, but that, yeah, they were both faculty members when we started working here. And the story about the podcast, and for those of you who don't mm -hmm. know, our, our podcast is called The Liturgy Guys. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we have uh, our campus is on this beautiful campus in, in Mundelein, Illinois, a thousand acres, woods, lakes, rivers, ponds, everything, and just gorgeous architecture. And the seminary is also on campus. So when we go to the refectory or the dining hall, you know, sometimes we'll have lunch with other faculty or bishops or seminarians. And so there was a seminarian having lunch with Dennis, Chris, and myself, and he asked them something about noble simplicity. And then Dennis and Chris just started riffing off of each other. And he, Dennis would add something, and then Chris would add something on top of that. And I'm sitting there like ping-ponging this conversation, just saying, well, this should be recorded. The world needs to hear this conversation. So uh, Dennis was on board pretty much right away. Chris at the time didn't even know what a podcast was, but I was just like, just do it. It will be good. And so... You know, I remember after the first month, I went into Dennis's office and I said, hey, we got 50 downloads for our podcast. I'm so excited. You know, now we're getting five, six, seven thousand downloads an episode for our mm -hmm. podcast. And the way I like to see it is that liturgy is a difficult thing to talk about, both from, you know, a uh, political, you know, type mm -hmm. of spectrum, you know, it's, it's, it can be very divisive, but also people think it's boring. They think it's just a bunch of rules and things like that. So you really have to make it approachable and interesting. So my job on the show is to be comedic relief and to be the everyman. And so when they say things like epiclesis, I have to say, hey, wait a minute. Can you, just tell <laughs> I mean, can you tell us what an epiclesis is? You know, I know that stuff now. And in fact, in season mm -hmm. six, it is harder to do that because I know a lot of the stuff that right. they're talking about. But, mm -hmm. but man, between that and a video series I did with the with the former director called Elements of the Catholic Mass, those are very foundational in my mm -hmm. understanding of liturgy as it is today. And so it puts me in a very unique situation in which I am daily conversing with academics about liturgical approaches and studies and things like that. But I am the everyman. I am just this dude with a BA in communications and so I can communicate with families and people in the pew, and I can kind of be a conduit both ways, mm -hmm. you know, and so it's afforded me the ability to really 
play a pivotal role in liturgical conversations. And so that's another big blessing from all of this. Oh, that, that is a huge blessing. Um, just as an aside, Elements of the Catholic Mass, I believe, is available on formed if, if uh, someone in their parish has formed, you're able to catch it. Um, and uh, so I, I forgot I, about that, actually. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's actually how I came across it. And uh, oh, it's, it's, it's beautiful work. Um, so thank you for that. Um, and it, it's something where <clears throat> so often we will slip into the language of, you know, theological ease without even realizing it. And um, so I um, am in a um, coordinator for parish ministries in a rural Alabama, you know, parish that has made the transition that the majority of America is, is going to be doing in the next 10, 15 years, which is we went from predominantly English speaking Anglo community to predominantly- Latin. <laughs> well, actually, you'll love this. You'll love this. So we're predominantly Hispanic now, but you'll love this. We've used the Latin responses as a way to bring the community together, yeah. you know, so that that way everybody, quote, is having to learn a different language. But I've been saying that for years. That's the best way to get people to understand the universal church. And, and then what's more, when you go to Rome and you hear them saying, you know, the pater knows there, like you actually know what's happening. It might be the only part of the mass you actually know what's happening. Exactly, exactly. Um, but all the more reason why, you know, I become aware of when I'll talk theological ease. And partially that's because my Spanish isn't good enough to use the bigger enough, bigger words. So therefore it's like, okay, how do I share this concept in, in littler words? And then that makes me aware of the fact I'm using stuff that I probably shouldn't be using. Um, muy importante. <laughs> <laughs> Exactamente. Um, so it, it's, uh, it, it's really, really key. Um, you guys talk about the fact that the liturgy guys, you know, mission is to share the treasures of the liturgy with English speaking Catholics all around the world. Why do you believe it's important to do this? Because most people don't know what the mass is actually about. Mm -hmm. uh, the catechism says the, the two ends of the mass are the glorification of God and the sanctification of mankind. We do and understand that first part pretty well, I would say, as a whole. That second part, I believe we only get partial credit for, and that's even some of the time people say that's the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. But it's not just Christ in the Eucharist, it's your offering and it's yourself. And so the way I, you know, I'd like to explain it to people, and this is, this is quintessential, you, you cannot talk about church documents unless you do this first, which is, if you're on mass, you are a victim on the altar. You offer yourself in the chalice, on the pat, so that when the elements become Christ, so too you become Christ. Mm -hmm. And you are Christified, deified, sanctified, transfigured. And the culmination of this whole experience at the mass is when you consume or eat your own perfection, again, becoming Christified, deified, sanctified. And what the Catechism of the Catholic Church says is that it's the the purpose of the mass is to glorify God. Again, we understand that and sanctify mankind. So that means that it's not actually just me putting myself on the altar. It means that I can be a, a pivotal player in the mystical body of Christ, where I am then sanctifying mankind, which means when I leave that church, 
I not only become holy myself, but I can confer holiness. Like the Israelites believed when you're in the presence of God, the Holy of Holies, you became holy and conferred holiness. So mm -hmm. I go out in the streets and I now have an interaction with you. I can now confer holiness to you. I can sanctify, like I said, creation, <laughs> time, you know, people around me. Um, the really, really dumbed down metaphor that I like to use is you imagine a potato in an oven, right? And if we do the mass, the very basic valid parts of the mass, it's like turning that oven to like 150 degrees, still valid, still warm. But when you do all these things and you give yourselves an opportunity for more grace in the mass by using antiphons or proper language or music or, you know, incense or progressive solemnity, every time you do something like that, it gets that oven a little bit hotter. So then when you leave, you become hot, you confer heat. So when you confer that grace to people beyond, it's more efficacious. And then, of course, beyond that, you mentioned this daily prayer, all this mm -hmm. devotions, things. Those are all like mini masses. There's many mm -hmm. ways to sanctify and to like get more heat. Um, mm -hmm. But none of it is as important as the mass itself. Right. Now, and, and that is, you know, what the language that you, you've just been sharing, I know a lot of people kind of go, oh, wait a minute, that isn't that making me, you know, like, you know, God, and, and it's just like, you know, the language sometimes will be off-putting, and, and I run into that, because when I speak about, you know, becoming saints, people are like, oh my gosh, no, I, I, I can't be a saint, and it's like, no, you were created to be a unique and unrepeatable saint, you know, of God's image. It's like the big prism. It's just like, you know, change it and, you know, you look different and then I look different and we're supposed to do that to glorify God. But it's through our divinization. It's through Absolutely. our piece by piece. And that's why John the Baptist, who, of course, we, you know, ran into again this last weekend with the baptism of our Lord, is the fact of I must decrease, he must increase. And the only way that can happen is for us to be constantly coming before and saying, hey, change, change, change this, change this fingernail. Okay, now, let, now let's change the finger. No, let's do the hand, you know, I mean, but we don't look at it that way. We look at it as, oh, I receive them and then pretty much it's dead, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and we wonder why. You know, we don't see signs of holiness, walking, living and breathing, you know, among us. And it's because we don't understand what is going on. And when we don't understand it, and we, we're never going to fully understand it, of course. Mm -hmm. But if we don't even begin to grasp at what the process is, then it's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lukewarm interpretation of what's happening. And we all know what happens to the lukewarm, as Christ said. Yeah. Uh, but you know, at the liturgical institute, I'm very proud to declare, you know, part of what I want to do here is top down, bottom up, right? So we have mm -hmm. graduate degrees in liturgical theology, and we're probably one of the most prestigious liturgical degrees in the country, if not the world. And so we are teaching the teachers who teach seminaries, seminary in seminaries and seminarians, right, through, through our STL program. But we are also using our you know, programming like our podcast and our video series and, and online classes to help educate the laity. So our goal is to have a parish one day with people who are learning about the liturgy from us in the pews, but maybe their pastor went to a seminary and learned about sacramental theology from one of our other graduates, right? So we're trying to scattershot and get as much as we can so that, so that we can start with that foundational principle. And then you can start add some of these 
really mystical things about the, the mass. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Um, and it, it's the process that, you know, Jesus took. I mean, it's not like he didn't speak to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the leaders, you know, of the church of, of his day, um, you know, but it was something of where he spoke to the people. But he, what was he doing? He was training the trainers, as we talk about it in the military, you know, of where it's just like, OK, you guys are going to really get it. And then I'm going to send you out and then you're going to do the same for others. And it's absolutely brilliant. Um, so. Thank you for all, all of that work. Um, just as an aside, because I'm, I'm a huge, uh, huge reader, <clears throat> and many times people will say, well, you know, what, what's it kind of like a primer that I could read where I can come to understand like what you were just expressing, you know, and, and what we were talking about. How, how can I come to that understanding? What would be a really good thing, a uh, book for somebody to read or a, a video series that you would recommend to be able to grow in that? Well, well certainly we have a lot. Um, at the liturgical institute so elements of the catholic mass is a really good short video series you can watch totally free everything's around a five minute clip explains different parts about the mass Mm -hmm. but if you're reading something some of the really things important things you should read are the you know documents of sacrosanto concilium from vatican ii right that's an incredibly important document i would also if you're serious about this and all catholics should be about the mass read the general instruction of the roman missal not mm-hmm. just from a formality to understand like what's happening, but there's some really deep richness in there. There's prenotandas that explain what's about to happen. Prenotanda is just like the notes beforehand. And actually in our podcast right now, we're walking through the general instruction of the Roman Missal. Uh, last year or the year before we walked through Sacrosanta Concilium, you know, mm-hmm. paragraph by paragraph. Um, we even uh, last year also did, talked about everything the catechism said about liturgy, which is incredibly important as well. There's tons of liturgical documents. Another important book uh, would be Spirit of Liturgy by Romano Guardini, which I think is really mm. good. And then, of course, you could read uh, Benedict XVI's uh, Ratzinger's version of Spirit of Liturgy, which is really great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, our, our podcast own Chris Carson's has a really, really approachable book on the Mass, A Devotional Journey Through the Mass by Chris mm-hmm. Carson's really, really good. And if you do that stuff, or you kind of have a hankering for more, we have over 125 hours of content uh, in our online school, you just go to www.online or liturgy.online. So liturgy.online. Awesome. And there's a, there's a free class there by Chris in introduction to sacred liturgy. We have it in English and Spanish, actually, the Spanish version is just on YouTube for free for anybody to watch. And you can uh, register for the free class at that website. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, because uh, right now we're just going through um, a uh, just a very basic series of talking about the different parts of the mass. We haven't even broken down, you know, we've talked about the elements, but in the context of it's in the liturgy of the word, for example. Um, and so it's kind of like starting and then trying to go a little bit deeper and there's a desire for more. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's always uh, beautiful to see that. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, ask the question because, you know, I've got lots of uh, parents out there with kids and uh, they're, they're coming to, uh, you know, to the mass. And um, what might be some practical suggestions that you could give them so that they can come and be implementing the teachings of the church on liturgy as they're, you know, so, you know worshiping as a family? Mm-hmm. So uh, I have four young children myself, and th- these are some of the things that I do with my children. It's just 
you know, even though none of them are old enough to receive the Eucharist yet, I want them to get to understand what's happening on the mat at the mat. So anytime the preparation of gifts happen as the, the uh, wine is being poured in the chalice and the, the patent is uh, being elevated, uh, my kids, we grab, we, everybody grabs their heart. <laughs> they grab their heart. We all look around and we say, everybody ready? And then we throw our hearts onto the altar, in the chalice and on the patent. And mm -hmm. that's a way for them, you know, this is not an official uh, posture or gesture in the general church right. of the Roman Missal, but it's a personal act of piety that I can get my kids to understand like, oh, okay, what, stop what you're doing. This is really important. Grab your heart, throw it on the altar, right? That's one thing. Another thing is kind of, um, you know, getting the children to understand those gestures and postures and reverence, right? So uh, one of the really cool things you can do with folded hands, um, you know, they can get really tired, easy holding, folding their hands. But if you give them something to think about, especially with young boys, I find this really <laughs> works. Mm -hmm. uh, but you, you fold your hands and really what you do is you're telling them you're pointing your hands to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I told my son Isaac this when he was three years old. And then I saw him doing this with his hands. He was just like, pew, 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 you know, <laughs> so he's just pointing at different things like he's shooting a nerf gun or something. But but in his mind, you know, that's orienting. Okay, like I'm I'm orienting or pointing. And so they're very young still, and none of them are receiving, you know, the Eucharist yet or reconciliation or anything, but we're getting to that point where they can start to look at that. Then, you know, th those, are the, those are the foundations, right? Sanctify, right. Glorify, glorify God, sanctify mankind. A aim yourself for, towards God for praise and glory, and then mm -hmm. sanctify yourself by putting yourself on the altar. Now, they, they're not a part of the Eucharistic prayer in terms of the culmination and reception of the Eucharist, but they are an integral part of the mystical body of Christ, and I don't want that to be lost on them, right? That's incredibly important. Mm -hmm. So my job as their father and my wife's job as their mother is to offer them on the altar for them, mm -hmm. just like we baptized for them, right? We right. said yes for them. And so that's a way where we can participate together in that, in that sacred mystery. Uh, that that that's so beautiful. Uh, so, uh, so many people are so unaware of the power that has been entrusted to them, um, and how it is that they can intercede for their loved ones. Um, and so, absolutely beautiful suggestions. Thank you so much. Um, so, uh, just a couple. You know, our time's starting to uh, get a little a uh, mm -hmm. little short. But I did want to ask on a personal level. How do you think your work has helped you on your journey towards becoming a saint? Oh, that is very easy to see. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that connected with me right away was music. And mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll ask you, the, the church has in multiple documents in Vatican II and all the way back to 1903 in Trilus Electitudini has mentioned that there's a hierarchy of things to be sung in the mass. So I'll ask you, I, I don't want to put you on the spot. And, it's okay. You know, but what, what do you think the church says is the most important thing that we should sing in mass? That we should sing at the mass? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, my, my thought would be that it would be the Our Father. But okay. that's, that, that's, you know, but you rarely come across that. So I'm pretty sure that that wouldn't be the case, but rather would be our responses. <laughs> so the Our Father is number three, and you're close with the first one. It's anything that's a dialogue between the priest and the people or a liturgical ministry and the people. Mm -hmm. And that shocked me because we never do that in the States. We always go backwards. So number four is any other hymn. So music directors and parishes here, they always start with what's the readings 
here's mm -hmm. the hymn that matches the readings and then here's the mass part and almost never the propers which are the antiphons and things like that we almost never do that and then like pretty much zero percent chanting the dialogues right okay so we have that foundation now we're adding layers to this right and there's a point to all of this but Let's take one of those things. Why does the church say dialogues are important? Well, it's because we're enjoining in this Trinitarian love song, right? Mm -hmm. Sung prayer is elevated prayer. Elevated prayer is exemplified in the Trinity. And so we're mirroring this, you know, perichoresis and, and dialogue from the Trinity. And here's why that's really cool. Because let's take the readings. There is a chant tone for every reading in the liturgy. Let's take a Sunday where we have something from the Old Testament and New Testament. You chant the introduction to the Old Testament, the introduction goes down a fifth. You So, so you, this, the lector would say, our reading from the uh, book of Genesis, it goes down a fifth. The New Testament, we have the revealed Christ. So it goes down a third. So instead of a fifth, we are closer. The, the notes are literally closer in pitch. So mm -hmm. you say a reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians, you go down a third. And at the end, you say the word of the Lord. We all say, thanks be to God. The gospel does something totally different. Uh, it, it, descents and ascents. So you say, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to descends, mark, ascends. So we are mirroring with our voice, gospel of descends, mm -hmm. incarnation, the word incarnate, literally the word, mark, mm -hmm. ascension, resurrection, transfiguration, sanctification. And so when we start connecting these things, it's like, boom, I'm plugging another thing in this infinite outlist of grace. So that I can then take that as a part of my life and then go sanctify the world and recharge my liturgical and, and, and sacramental battery, so to speak. And so it's important that we're finding these ways to connect because that's how we keep things going. And it, it, again, you know, with I, I see it with my children, you know, uh, but my, my son goes to this really great Catholic school and I yelled at him one time and he said, daddy, don't yell at me. That's not being an image of God. <laughs> I said, oh my God, I like literally took a step back. And then of course I responded, hey, Isaac, do you know what uh, righteous anger is? And then I tried to explain that to him, calm them down. Mm -hmm. But, but you know, they are really receptive to this. We, we were quarantined because I, I had COVID over Christmas. And so we had to do television mass. And so we're getting the TV ready, the mass starts. And my two-year-old daughter, Zelly, runs over to our little oratory altar and grabs a fistful of rosaries and starts passing them out to people. Because in her mind, she's understanding something, there's a sign and symbol here. Something mm -hmm. sacred is happening. And this is what we do. This is how we respond. So principally, I see that in my own life, but mm -hmm. I love to see that spread to my children and my wife and those that I encounter in the world. Oh, beautiful. And thank you for that, that short lesson. Um, I was involved in the music ministry, um, you know, for many years and, but had never had the opportunity to sing the, you know, the antiphons and, you know, um, and the responses. And so did not know about the fifths and the thirds. And that is yeah. beautiful. Um, yeah. So uh, talk, talk about uh, encouragement for people to be open to potentially, mm -hmm. you know, learning how to, how to uh, actually do this as can. And that's just, that's just a little bit of dust off of this stone, this beautiful yeah. gem that we have. And so you can continue to take that, take that off layer by layer and really see what's revealed to us. And Mm -hmm. Boy, there's just, there's so much there. And so that's our job. We've got to get everybody to understand all of it because the people who led up to Vatican II, the figures of the liturgical movement, they inherently believe that if every world leader 
offered themselves on the altar and sanctified the world, we would live in a peaceful world. They believed that we would have no race relation issues. We would have no Great Depression, no economic downfalls. They believed inherently, which is true, that that is the source to sanctify the world. Just we're not enough of us are doing that right now. And so we really need to make sure that people understand. Absolutely. Well, good resolutions, especially as we're beginning a, a another calendar year. Um, and so uh, just as an aside, what's, what's your favorite uh, book, movie, or TV show? Uh, in, in <laughs> Oh, just in general? And, yeah. Um, man, that's a good question. Well, actually, my favorite movie is October Sky with Jake Gyllenhaal ah, yes. and, and uh, Chris Cooper, I think is the mm -hmm. dad. It's a, uh, we watched this and I, I always loved the movie. I built model rockets when I was a kid. I just, I absolutely mm. loved it. I loved hands-on learning like that. But in high school, uh, we took a class about fatherhood and, and then we watched that movie. And man, I, 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 especially with my own father, maybe mm -hmm. not knowing how to express some of those things himself, but uh, you know, I just really connected and I just absolutely loved it. It's a good story. Oh, it is. It's, it's a phenomenal story. And you bring up the, the reality that, you know, it's story that speaks to us. And mm -hmm. at the liturgy, the greatest story ever told is spoken and shared over and over again. So absolutely mm -hmm. beautiful. So one, one last kind of fun question for you. But if you were to go back in time and share one piece of advice with your younger self, what would it be? I would absolutely tell myself, hey, you can do whatever you want and you're going to figure out all this stuff along the way and you're going to have these encounters with Christ. But principally, mm -hmm. this is what the mass is. <laughs> Glorification of God and sanctification <laughs> of mankind. Put yourself on the altar because there is no sense wasting any time not doing that. So once you, once you know that, that type of stuff sticks with you for the rest of your life. That's the number one thing. Uh, no, awesome. So um, I'll probably go ahead and that will be the, the title for the <laughs> podcast post will be put yourself on the altar, you know, conversation mm -hmm. with, with Jesse Wilde, the liturgy, liturgy guys. So mm -hmm. thank you so much, Jesse. Uh, this has been very illuminating for me um, and enjoyable and inspirational um, and very encouraging because now, even when I might not know exactly what's going on, I know where I can go find where mm -hmm. I can learn about it, but then also knowing that there's ever more deeper meaning and purpose to what it is that we're about. So it's not just, you know, ritual and, and just moving up and down, but rather mm -hmm. an opportunity to truly be, in the words of Vatican II, fully conscious mm -hmm. and actively participating. So thank you again so much. So for everybody, um, one more time, if you would share your website and where people can find out information about you, as well as the courses that you made mention of. So you can find anything at liturgicalinstitute.org. And I really highly recommend taking classes in our online program where you can go to www.liturgy.online. All right. Well, super. Well, thank you again. And for everyone who's been listening out there, you now have a resolution to go and to truly be able to enter more deeply into the mass the next time that you are there and to help others who you love be able to do that the same. So let us continue to do whatever it takes so that we can tell the master of death, not today. Have a blessed day, everybody. So what might be some resolutions that you could take from the conversation that Jesse and I had today? Well, 
One is for you to resolve to more vigorously participate at Mass. What do I mean by that? Well, either to say your responses more loudly and uh, with, with more uh, vigor, or perhaps to, uh, to sing more loudly, uh, but to participate uh, more vigorously at Mass would be one. The second is to learn more about the Mass. And we talked about uh, several different things that you could do. Uh, there's the elements of the Catholic Mass series that's on the form platform. There's several books, uh, one by Christopher Carston's uh, Devotional Journey Through the Mass, uh, the documents from Vatican II, uh, the online course about the general instruction of the Roman Missal. So all of those are different ways, but to uh, go and to learn more about the Mass. And third is I challenge you to determine one devotional practice that you can do either before or during or after the Mass. And there's a whole variety of different things. Uh, Jesse shared, you know, um, how he and his children uh, throw their hearts up on onto the altar. Uh, that's just that's one of many things that we can do devotionally. Um, one of my favorites and most powerful uh, I found in my own life is Thanksgiving after communion, spending that time in quiet gratitude, just giving thanks for the great blessing of receiving Holy Communion. Um, so, but make and determine one devotional practice that you're going to begin and start doing it. Hello, Christina Simmons here, and I just want to make you aware of an opportunity that is going on now, and it is the Say Yes to Holiness weekly live YouTube show. So every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Central, I go live and I answer your questions in real time, but I give you just a short little teaching, uh, talk about a topic that people have asked me about or have expressed interest in, and I do that in really 15 minutes or less. So if you're looking for just some short inspiration and encouragement to accompany you on the journey, that I really encourage you to go and check out the Say Yes to Holiness YouTube channel. You can find a link for it in the show notes, but you can also go to YouTube and just do a search for the Say Yes to Holiness YouTube channel. I hope to see you on a Tuesday at 12 p.m. Central. God bless. Thanks again for spending time with me today. If you have any suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please leave me a voicemail using the link in the podcast show notes. Or you can visit my website at sayyestoholiness.com or send me an email at christinasimmons at gmail.com. I look forward to the opportunity to continue the conversation we've begun here today. In the interim, please know my continued prayers for you and your loved ones, especially that each of us may continue to strive to do whatever it takes in order to grow in holiness as we tell the Master of Death, not today. I look forward to having a conversation with you again soon. God bless.